these amazing plans and callings, whatever, whatever, God, why aren't you giving them to me? And God might be thinking, I don't see a new wine skin. If I give it to you right now, you're going to burst. Now your heart will be ripped and you'll be spoiled. And that's not my heart. Maybe some of you are thinking, man, my friend gets breakthrough from God all the time. He, all this stuff. Well, why not me? Maybe God's saying, oh, I don't see the new wine skin in you right now. And I believe that tonight's the time he wants to give you the new wine skin first. And then pour out the new wine. Maybe tomorrow, right? <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. Preparing a new wine skin so that you won't burst and die here. Come on. I don't, I don't want nobody dying here, okay? So get yourself some new wine skin. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that again. Get yourself some new wine skin. So the passage that we just read, the context is this. So these people, religious people, came to Jesus and asked them, Hey, disciples of John, they fast and they offer prayer. And even disciples of Pharisees, they do the same. How come Jesus, your disciples don't do that? They don't fast, they don't offer prayer. What's wrong with them? They're criticizing Jesus' disciples. And then Jesus answers with some smart answer. And then he teaches this parable. Saying, you know, if they're with the bridegroom, they don't fast. It's a festival time, you know. And then uh, this parable follows uh, Jesus' answer to explain further. So you, to picture this, okay, all these religious leaders came to Jesus. And they had old wineskin hearts. And they came, all these Jew, Jewish people came saying, it's all about do's and don'ts basically. You know, I mean, we are doing all this good stuff and your disciples are not doing it. What's wrong with them? Correct them. You know, that kind of attitude, legalism. Legalism. I hate legalism. People legalistic. It's all about do's and don'ts. I hate that. I hope some, some of you feel, feel, feel my anger toward it. Legalism, I hate that. But then the people of Old Covenant, they were all about this. All they knew was Mosaic law, the law that Moses received, the Old Testament law. And then it it looks like it's all about do's and don'ts, doesn't it? It looks like don't murder, don't do this, do this, do that. But then the spirit of the law, when it was first given, it wasn't that. But then later it became very legalistic. It's all about you can do this, but you can't do this, and and the whole list of it. It's like, for example, you touch the dead body, you are unclean for the entire week. You have to be isolated. You have to leave the village and then be separated for a week because you're unclean. Or you lied or you sinned. You sinned against someone that you had to bring an animal and impart the sin over it and then kill it and shed the blood. That's the way the Old Testament people were redeemed from their sin. You guys are, are aware of these things, right? So the animal sacrifice, it was their daily life. Think about that. You have to kill like your puppy every week because of your sin. You know, you just adopt a puppy. <laughs> All right, I sinned. Here's my sin. I have to kill you. I think about killing all the animals. Oh, sorry, I really offended you. Huh? <laughs> Her faces are... <laughs> you know, maybe not your puppy, but like all these cows and all these animal sacrifices were needed to redeem your sin. But it was only temporary. It was only temporary. You know, if you look at observed their relationship with God, their intimacy with God depended on their performance. 
how they did in their law, keeping the law, you know, doing well in their whatever cleanness, you know. People today, but then they still live with this kind of mentality. If you if you watch like especially Korean church people, you will find a whole bunch of them living just like the Old Testament people. Christianity is set of rules. You gotta hold on to the rules. It's living up to certain moral standards and making it to heaven by living relatively good life. You know, oh, I skipped QT today. I feel bad about it. You know, I didn't go to church for the last two weeks. God must be upset about me. You know, church kind of teaches you and then it corners you into thinking that way. You know, it's all about serving Him. All about going on missions. Having a missional lifestyle. It's all about having quiet times in the morning. It is all about it. Don't do this. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't, 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 don't. And I do only quiet times, you know. <laughs> I heard now, if you go to like any kind of youth retreat, the, the thrust of the message is always do your quiet times. It starts with do your quiet times. It ends with do your quiet times. I've never been to those youth retreats, but I feel really bad for those kids. They don't understand the love of God and that all they are asked to do is do your quiet times. How boring is that? They don't even know how to listen to God's voice yet, you know. But what do disciples them? You know, it's all about your performance, how you do, do's and don'ts, and the list of rules. Christianity sounds terrible to me. They're missing the whole point here. And let me give you some new wineskin heart. The new covenant that we receive through Jesus Christ. It's all about love and grace. Can I tell you guys that you guys are chosen? Not because of what you did or you didn't do. It's You're just chosen. Period. Just chosen because God loves you. It's all about love and grace. And it tells us, Bible tells us that nothing can separate you from the love of the Father. It includes yourself. You cannot separate yourself from the love of God. You skipping three days of quiet time, which I recently did. Oh, whoa. <laughs> you know, yeah, I did. I'm a pastor, but I did. You know, I skipped cutie for three days. But, you know, can that separate me from the love of God? I don't think so. Oh, man, I could skip it for like three weeks and still that cannot. I'm not encouraging you to skip your QTs or whatever. Like, that cannot separate me from the love of God. I mean, I never skip church because that's my workplace. I'm a pastor. But let's say I skipped the church service and went to, when, when clubbing or something. <laughs> I've never been to a club, by the way. But, <laughs> but even that, uh-uh, that cannot separate me from the love of God, according to the Bible. Not death, not demons, not angels. I cannot. I cannot do that. You know, what you do or what you don't do doesn't make any difference in your relationship with the Lord. I mean, in its nature, He cannot love you more. He cannot love you less. It's He always loves you with maximum capacity. You know, oh, if I do this better, God will love you more. If I sing better on the stage as a praise team member, He'll be more pleased. But the fact is, He always loves you with the fullest of His love. You know, if I get A plus on this subject, God will maybe be proud of me more. Not true. Cause He already loves you. Whether you get B or C or D, 
maybe F, <laughs> or maybe F, he still is proud of you and he still loves you the same amount. And when God sees you, you, you gotta get this point. This is the whole beautiful picture of the new covenant that I'm talking about. Alright, when God sees you from above, He's looking down on you right now. When He sees you, when He sees Ilyong here, He doesn't see really Ilyong, Ilyong. He doesn't see Ilyong, He sees Jesus all over him. And what God sees is Jesus' blood covering him. All his sins, all his, um, um, yeah, all that. <laughs> All that, and he's fully covered. So when God looks upon it, what he sees is, oh, there's my son, Jesus Christ. There's my son covered with the blood of the lamb, and I don't see anything bad about him. And the Jesus' relationship with the father was perfect. The perfect relationship was imparted on him. So that Yidong and Father God can have the same exact relationship. And there is nothing sour in the relationship, let me tell you that. So when God sees you, that's how he sees you. You gotta believe that. If you are saved through the new covenant, through Jesus Christ, that's how your identity begins. And, um, I think what, what describes what I'm talking about, like unconditional love, like, I think what describes this, uh, concept best is a relationship of a father and son, with the father and Jesus, like, like I talked about. And, um, you guys all know the prodigal son story? The, uh, uh, man, I, I keep speaking Korean right now, but I, <laughs> cause I see so many Korean faces. But there's an older brother, younger brother, and a father. And then the younger brother, give me my inheritance, he leaves, and then he squanders on the world, world on like a, like really, um, backsliding life. And then he, he comes back begging, you know, uh, uh, practicing the speech, you know, Father, I'm so sorry, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore, and can you please accept me as a servant into your house? You know, he comes home practicing the speech, you know, he's about to ask, can you accept me again as a servant in your house? Because he thought when he messed up big time, that he lost his identity as a son. Man, I am not worthy to be called a son anymore. But then, when he was approaching the house, when the father saw him, he started running to him. And then he threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then all that happened, the festival and, you know, and all that happened. But then what I want you guys to catch is the fact that when he was messing up, when he, whether he was in-house or outside of house, when he was having a wild life or not, his identity was always a son. He never lost it. Leaving the house, he didn't lose that identity as a son. Leaving a wild life, he didn't lose it. When you were club, when he was clubbing in the club, he didn't, he still was a son. On the way back, he still was a son. He came back as a son. You know, it's not identity as a son. It's something that you cannot lose. That you can, it's not a name tag you can put on yourself and then take it off when you don't want it. Sons are the sons at all times. Whether you do well or don't do anything, it's always your identity. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you are a son, always.
So I don't, I know a lot of you guys, like Pastor Aaron shared earlier, you've been to retreats, you've done it, and then after the retreat, you tried your quiet times, you tried to be better Christian. I know you've all tried that. But then, you felt like, oh man, I tried but it didn't work, and then you felt, feel worse about yourself. And then you don't feel like a son anymore. You know, man, God must be pretty upset. I tried again, I failed again, I'm a failure, all that. Throw that away. Oh, you gotta believe I'm still a son. I messed up again. Yeah, I gave in again, but I'm still a son. That's the identity that you cannot remove from yourself. It's always there. And I love this story. It's a real story. I have a friend named Peter, Peter Palma. He's a pastor too. So he uh, runs an English ministry in Incheon out there. He's a, he's a white guy. And then uh, he married this beautiful Kyopo girl, and then they have a baby named Caleb. There's Caleb's super cute. Caleb, so cute. Anyways, so Caleb, I was gonna actually throw on a picture of him, but then I didn't have time. But Caleb, is a little toddler. He's like two, he just runs around, he falls everywhere, and he bumps into things. Little toddler, Caleb. And on uh, Peter was, on uh, it was a Sunday, and in the church service, he was, um, doing the communion. He was leading the Lord's Supper. You know, it's a holy moment, you know. This is the Lord's flesh and, you know, this is the blood of Jesus Christ. He's doing the Holy Communion. And right at that moment, Caleb wakes up from his nap and then starts running to his dad. Papa! Something like that. It was like, yeah. And then he just woke up, you know, and then he's like looking for daddy. And then he just ran to Peter. And then Peter just had to pick him up. You know, whatever, communion. Wait a second. And he had to just pick up his son. And then... You know, it's okay, daddy's here. And then he actually finished the communion holding the baby like this. You know what, the story, when he shared this story, I actually cried. Because that's the season when I felt like I didn't have full access to the father. And I felt like I can't always go to him. I felt like he must be really bothered by me because I keep going to him with the same issue. I was feeling like, man, God must be so bothered. I wonder if I have full access to him. That's the season that I was walking through. And that story just really broke the lie off of me. You guys know, you always have full access to him. You could always run to him. No matter how busy he looks like, you know, God has to run this whole entire universe, but he always has time for you. You have the full access to him. You can run to him anytime. You might think, oh, it's inappropriate. Oh man, he, he's busy, he's running, he's doing something holy right now, but he doesn't care. Oh man, my son needs to talk to me. He will pick you up right then and there. And then he will, he will give you priority. That's the kind of father that you have. Sons always have full access to the father. You, you guys need to believe that and claim that. Pick that up, claim that. It's not just Caleb's story, it's you. A lot of people I know, they, they're concerned. I feel distance. I, I feel just distant from God. You know, I just don't feel close to Him at all. I just feel that distance. Whenever you feel that way, I mean, that's a complete lie. Because it's impossible for you to be distant from Him. I mean, it was just because, just to pay for the distance that Jesus had to die on the cross. And what did Jesus do? If there's still distance, I mean, Jesus didn't do anything on the cross, you know? Because there was the distance and separation between you and the Father, Jesus died on the cross so that he would close that gap. And it doesn't exist anymore. 
He's like right in front of you. He's all over you. He's in you. And you are his. There cannot be any distance. So if you feel distant from God, you just got to know that it's a lie. It's a lie. Whether you feel him or not, honestly speaking, I got saved when I was 19, uh, freshman year. Up to that point, I never felt God's presence before. But then, does that mean that he was not with me? No, I'm the chosen one. He was always with me, protecting me, guiding me, leading me. But I just never felt it. You know, if you feel distant, you, you gotta claim that. I mean, that's not true. That's a complete lie. He's always with me. This is gonna jack a lot of you guys up. Let's get ready. Warning. Warning. <laughs> Uh, I see, I, I see a lot of Asian faces in this room. Uh, some of you are not. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. But, um, what I realized growing up in an Asian, especially Korean family as a Korean native, uh, I had a really amazing father. Uh, I really had a great family. I loved my mom and my dad. But then, um, if you go deeper into it, uh, though my relationship with them was really good, I always felt like I had to prove myself to them. Um, performance-based identity, I will call it. I felt like, especially study academics-wise, I felt like, man, I have to do better to make them more proud. I have to do better to prove that I'm worthy of their love and attention. And what I would do as a kid was, whenever I would get like prizes from school, and Korean schools gave out a lot of those, those certificates, those prizes. Whenever I would get them, I would just put them right in the middle of the dining table. And then I wouldn't say anything. Just so that I would watch their reaction and how would, how they will react to it. You know, and I always just put it right in the middle of the dining table, like perfectly. And then I would just watch. If there was three, I would like one, two, three, like that. <laughs> I would just display them and I would not mention anything about it. And then, like before dinner, we gather at the dining table, right? And then whenever I saw my mom like putting them away without mentioning anything, I was rage inside of me. Man, I did this, this. I, I got this prize and you are not mentioning anything? I would like get so upset and angry at my parents. Because I felt like I did something that deserves your attention and love and you are not showing that to me right now. Because I just had that performance-based mentality. And whenever I didn't do well, and I just wanted to just hide it, conceal it somehow, just not tell them, you know, because I felt like the love was going to be taken away from me, you know. I know a lot of Asian families have that kind of mentality. If you make it to Ivy League, if you make it to in Korea, it's like Sky, you know, Seoul, Korea, Yonsei, whatever, Iho is not even one of them. <laughs> but, you know, if you don't make it to Sky, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Ivy League, you know? And then you, you gotta make it into those, one of, one of those schools, you know? To be a good son, to make your parents proud, and all their lies, all those lies. I grew up with that. I grew up with that. But then, brothers and sisters, do you know that God is really not interested in your function? You're not a study machine. Um, he's really not interested in what you do and your function. He's interested in loving you and, and 
having that loving relationship with you. And I feel like that's like a, the shift that has to take place in our mindset. That when I do well, God loves me more. When I don't do well, I can't go before him kind of mindset. It's gotta be broken off. And I know a lot of adults, especially your parents in your life, didn't exemplify that to you guys. You know, your parents would often be disappointed or be upset at you because of your low performance or whatever. I know you guys didn't receive the best exemplification of God's heart in your life. But that is a lie of the enemy. And you got to understand our Heavenly Father is different than your earthly father and your earthly parents. You know, He loves you just because you are you. It's not because of your function, not because of what you could bring to Him, not because of your offering, your tithes, not because of any of what you can offer to Him. He doesn't even need that. But what He needs and what He wants is your love. Uh, this, uh, we're actually having a church-wide retreat in New Philly next month. And a lot of you guys, uh, and there's scholarship going on and there's Emmaus discounts. So if you didn't sign up for it, you, you gotta go for it. You gotta sign up. You're missing out if you didn't. Uh, our guest speakers are who? Uh huh. Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sunny. Those, uh, amazing anointed couple are coming. And then I'm sure their daughter, Alethea, will come with them. Alethea is so cute. Again, she's adorable. She's not like a, she walks around, she's a toddler, but then when she first came to Korea for Niagara Conference a couple of years ago, she was a little baby. She couldn't, she could barely walk. And the babies always minister to me. You notice that I talked about Caleb too? Babies always minister to me and always speaks God's heart to me through them. Uh, I don't know how it happens, but I was just observing Alethea, interacting with Pastor Benjamin. It was one dinner time. Pastor Benjamin, he's big, he's just black black um, pastor <laughs> and he's really big his tummy is like you know his tummy is like big so he basically puts Alethea on his tummy like this it's like perfect like a couch you know and then Alethea <laughs> sits on it and he just walks around like this you know very proud he's such a proud daddy it's a miracle baby too they were like barren for like eight years and then it was a miracle baby that God gave to them Anyways, it's a long story short. He was always walking around. He's such a daddy's girl, you know, always on, on the tummy belly of her daddy. Walks around and then at one dinner time, I was just running around, you know, trying to organize everything and as a staff, I was running around and I saw Alethea just, you know, very comfortably on, on her daddy. And then she's just, we were in the cafeteria while eating, okay? And Alethea, with no warning, starts peeing right there. <laughs> And then there's a little waterfall <laughs> falling down. And I was like, oh, oh, I wonder how Pastor Benjamin will respond to that, right? And, you know, and then she was really sick throughout the trip. She was puking all night. So Pastor Benjamin and Sonny could, could barely sleep. You know, she was like, chinga, chinga. She was whiny the whole time. She was crying and she was puking and she was peeing everywhere. And I was like, wow, that's, wow. And I just, it just caught my eye. And then Pastor Benjamin went. He just felt something warm, right? So he was like, just looked at it. And he was like, Lydia. And he started singing over her. Lydia, my baby. He has a song that about that, about that kid. Where he started singing. And then he just, as if nothing happened, he was just walking up to the room. And, you know, changing diaper or whatever. But then what I observed all throughout the, all, all throughout the um, retreat was that 
I mean, he really didn't care about her function. Alethea, to be honest, had no function. Other than eating, puking, pooing, peeing. Other than that, like crying. Other than that, she had no function. She really didn't help anything for the retreat. Let me be just honest, okay? She was just one annoying crying baby to me. But then to the father and mother, of course, you know, she was precious treasure. The most important thing in the world. He would not let her go. I mean, he had to just go up and preach right now, you know? Like in 10 minutes, he has to go on the stage and preach. And she's like, you know, you know, whiny, whiny. He didn't care. Oh, yeah, you got no function, but I still love you, my baby girl. You know, that was Pastor Benjamin's heart. And what I saw was God's heart for me in that. I mean, I was so focused on functioning, right? Doing the right things, being a good Christian, preaching the right sermons, shepherding all these people. I was so focused on my function that I was forgetting about my identity as a little girl in daddy's arm. You know, and I mean, messing up, not having, not functioning properly didn't really matter to him. That was not his interest at all. And I just totally missed out on that heart. You know, and I was like, oh man, I gotta function right. It's all about my function. And God was like, no, it's all about, it's all about my love for you. Just let me love on you. Just shut up, be quiet, and just receive my love. And that was such a big, big breakthrough. You know what? A lot of you in here, you just need to experience that. Not doing anything. Not even praying. Not fasting. Not even reading the scripture. Just being on his tummy. It sounds weird. <laughs> being on God's tummy and just resting on his chest. And just feel his affection for you. And you will want to have quiet times tomorrow morning. You know? Once you taste that, once you feel his affections for you, not like pushing you to have quiet times, but like once you feel that affection coming out of him, you know, that love, that's what's going to change your life. Be a Lathia. Be a Lathia. Just be like her. Yeah. Move on to the second point. First point was like, you had like three, four cell points too. But man, let me move on. So the first thing is moving from the old covenant, like your performance affecting your relationship with God to like just being daddy's girl or boy. You know, what you do cannot affect your relationship with God. You are secure in your identity as a child of God. You guys got that? Right, you guys are all smart, so you got it. Um, the second thing is this. Old and new cannot go together. You cannot mix them together. Old is gone, the new has come. The Bible says. And it says, the old is gone, it's done away with, and the new has come, so you cannot mix them up. So the old and new cannot exist together. It's not, they don't coexist, so you gotta separate them. And you know, God is a God of new beginning, you guys know that? Every morning comes with new mercy. Every morning, every new month, every week, it's a new beginning. God is God of new beginning. I'm so thankful for that. I mean, this year was pretty bad. Let's say we got you got next year. I mean, this semester you messed it up. You got next semester. You know, God is God of new beginning, and there's always new mercy for you, right? But then the old and new, you cannot mix it up together. Second thing I want to talk to you guys about is letting the past go. For you to receive the new wine with the new wine skin. I want to 
preach to you guys that you gotta let the old go. Your old identities, old things that you believed in, um, maybe your old traumas, what you experienced, you have to let that go in order to be turned into a new wineskin. You know, so many people say, oh, that bad memory that happened to you, forget about it. Just let it go. Just ignore it. You'll forget it eventually, but the fact is you will not forget it. If you just bury it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to go away. It's going to haunt you. Never do that. Even when people say, just let it go, just forget about it. No, you shouldn't do that. Let's say you got into a car accident, like physically, you got hurt. And then oh, what you were trying to do is, oh man, that was so traumatic. So let me just walk out of the hospital and forget about it. That's going to ruin your body. You, should, you will never do that, right? You will get, you will take your time. You will get proper treatment. You will get healed and you will walk out of the hospital. That's how you have to deal with your soul as well. I mean, your soul, let me tell you, you guys went through some car accidents. Everyone looks fine. You might think that person looked like she didn't went through anything, but let me tell you something. Everyone went through their some, some, some rough stuff in their life. As a kid, when you were vulnerable, devil had a target on you because God has a plan for you. And you know, some sort of stuff happened. Man, no one I found out as a pastor, you know, counseling people, no one really is perfect. And they've gone through some stuff, some car accidents. You know, in your soul, in your spirit. And then a lot of people, what they do is they spare it. They don't, they don't think about it. Okay, that was really painful. So let me just close it up. But then what happens? It, it rots. It gets infected. Cause you just closed it without treating it properly. You know, your soul can get hurt by rejection, by abandonment, by abuse, betrayal from people. By careless words that people spoke over you, violence, and you know, poverty, things like that. And everyone has gone through some stuff in their life. And these things lead you to what? Bitterness, anger, fear, fear of people, especially, and guilt, inability to trust other people, insecurity, self-hatred, unforgiveness. Etc. Etc. People all went through all these things, but then not the world doesn't know how to deal with them. And then the only advice that you get is just forget it, just let it go. But then I'm here to tell you that that's not what you are supposed to do. The good news is that God knows them all. I mean, that just solves everything. You know, He's Alpha and Omega, His beginning and the end. He knows your past and present and future and everything in it. You know, He knows it all. Everything that you went through, He has full understanding of what you had to go through. So He knows you so well, more than you do. A lot of you guys actually have buried it so well that you don't even feel it anymore. A lot of people, when I like counsel them, they went through some crazy stuff and then they are not even aware of the hurt that they received. Because they don't even know that it hurts. It, it hurts because uh, they've had it for such a long time, and they did such a good job of just hiding it, you know. But God knows the hurts. God knows all the wounds. So that's good news for you. He knows it all, and not only does He know, but He can also heal you of the wound and memory. 
And not only just healing you, but he can turn that into your good. He can turn that into a blessing. He can turn that into a breakthrough for other people. He can turn that into a glorious testimony for the nations. That is the good part. I'm going to just make myself vulnerable and then share a little bit of my life story. Is that okay with you? Like Pastor Erin said, I grew up in Busan. And then uh, Busan's a rough city. It's a city full of gangsters. People all talk violently. Um, yeah, it's a cur- curse words or it's normal. People talk like that. Uh, I uh, went to girls only middle school. So you can imagine the, the girls, you know, like half of them are like lesbians or claim to be lesbians and everyone. It's cool to cuss out other people. You know, cause it's kind of like New York, I realize. A lot of people in New York, they were like pretty mean. Um, and, uh, yeah, Busan people, they love like dogging on other people, criticizing them just for the sake of criticizing. Busan's a city like that. Good thing they were doing a church plant there. But, uh, anyways, uh, at my middle school, when I was, uh, 14, I, I had five best friends. So uh, six of us were like a crew. And then, um, we became really tight. We would do everything together. You know, it was my, our cool crew, you know, and I was kind of like a leader of the group. And then what happened was, uh, what happened was, <laughs> all five of them gathered without me one day, and then they decided to turn their back against me. And then overnight, best friend, leader of the group, became the Wangta of the group. So you guys all know Wangta means, right? It's like a, a kid that gets bullied, like a, like a chosen victim. And everyone for no reason just bullies that kid, right? So, so I was chosen as a Wangta. And then what they started doing was just ridiculous. They came to my house to, when my parents were home, they came with their smiley faces on. Oh, 안녕하세요. Myung-ha's friends. We are Myung-ha's friends. And then they will come in, they will lock me in, and they will beat me up. And then they will leave with the smiley face on. Oh, 안녕하세요. <laughs> to my parents. That's exactly what happened. And then they will, you know, they will do all kinds of torture to me. But long story short, what I experienced back then was betrayal, like overnight. They all betrayed me with no warning. And all my friends left me and they spread rumor about me to the entire school. So like 350 girls all hated me. They all turned their back against me and I had no friend. So that's pretty terrible, right? What I experienced was rejection. I was completely rejected by everyone. No one talked to me except for the teachers. Um, Some violence, like I told you guys. Little bit of beating. They will tell me I borrowed their money where, where I didn't. And then they would just take money away from me. And also, all kinds of violence happened. Uh, especially verbally. They will tell me you are not worthy of anything. You just gotta kill yourself. Uh, this and that. All the verbal violence that you can imagine. And then the one thing that really killed my, killed me was, uh, their unforgiveness toward me. So, uh, so before that happened, I was actually the leader of the group, right? And I've done some, uh, I bullied some other kids as well. I was pretty bad too. So I, I <laughs> bullied another girl that actually ended up bullying me, right? So I actually bullied her. So I felt so bad for doing that to her first, in, at the, in the first place. So I, one day I went up to her, I got on my knees and I actually, in front of everyone, I didn't even care. I just really wanted forgiveness from her, particularly. I'm so sorry that I bullied you like this. Now that I experienced it, I know how terrible it is. Can you please forgive me? That's what I said. And then I was holding her elbow like this on my knees. 
And what she told me was, she looked at me in the eyes and she says, no, I can't. And then she let my hand go. And, but don't ever do that again to other kids. And she just walked away. A Korean drama, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that just scarred me for such a long time. I mean, oh wow, I did something that's even not possible to be forgiven. And I felt like, wow, she will, she will hold that against me forever. But she said, I will never forgive you. You don't deserve forgiveness. I will never forgive you. I will remember you forever. Those were the words that she spoke over me. Unforgiveness. Toward me. And obviously I had a hard time forgiving those five girls as well. All this guilt. Why did I do that? You know, starting from that. All kinds of stuff. And all the demonic things were happening to me as well. I was suicidal. Uh, when the bullying became really, like, really bad, I just came home one day. It's all demonic stuff. And I just... I just started screaming and crying. I just picked up like a, you know, box cutter knife and I just wanted to kill myself. And then, man, the cry that was coming out of my mouth was just, I want to die. I want to die. I want to die. Like, I want to die. Like, I was going crazy. And then I want to die. And I was about to do something to myself. But then I threw the knife away. And then the cry that was coming out of my mouth was actually, it was, it was shifted. I started screaming out, I, I want to leave, I want to leave. I wish I wish I want to leave, I want to leave. And I just cried for like half a day. And no one was in the house. And I, you know, went through some kawi, if you know what that is, sleep paralysis, you know, all these demonic voices were heard. So it's just Satan really targeted me at that time. And he really tried to uh, literally kill me and destroy my life. All these things were going on. I was afraid of people. I mean, eventually... They moved on, you know, they had their own life. So they moved on and I kind of found my peace in terms of like physical abuse and stuff. But then I was afraid of people extremely. I made up my mind to not make any friends from the point on. I don't need any more friends. I don't trust in people. I was unable to trust anyone else. Okay, no more of that friendship is over in my life. And I basically became fake. I was the nicest girl. If you met me back then, my Yiwa freshman year, you would think, wow, she's the nicest girl in the world because I was afraid. I couldn't be myself. Because if I, if I would be myself, people would not like me. People will want to leave me. So I became really, in a sense, fake. Yeah. But God's grace was there. Praise the Lord. I got saved my freshman year, and then a couple of years later, finally, I buried it really well. I didn't bring it up to God because I thought I would just forget about it. I don't have to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it because it hurts too much. I did such a good job just burying that and holding it to myself. And a couple of years later, God actually, oh, something happened. I just wanted to, I just was able to finally bring it to the Lord. And God, I was hurt. All these memories were coming back. and. That was the moment I knew, like, God was doing a surgery in my heart. You guys get that? It was like, he opened up that deep wound that I covered up for so such a long time. He cut it up, and he was doing something inside. Yeah, it hurt, obviously. It hurt a lot. But then, after that was done, I knew I was completely a different person. 
all this resentment, all this anger, unforgiveness, all the guilt, it was completely taken away from me. And I was able to forgive the bully girls as well. And um, God did a miracle. I called it a miracle because I really couldn't do it myself. And then my um, trust issue, I got healed. I was able to trust people. I was able to talk to people normally. And I started loving myself more. And all that happened. You know, through this story, what I wanted to tell you guys is that what devil wants for you is to live with it. Just, just cover it up well. And um, just live with it. Maybe you have someone that you just want to blame for everything bad that happened to your life. Maybe you guys have someone that you could not forgive yet because you feel like that person just ruined your life. But then what devil wants for you is to just live with it, to cover it up, and just forget about it. What God is saying is, I know all the wounds. I know there needs to be a treatment, a surgery. And I can heal you of that and will turn it into your blessing. If you choose to go through that. You know, a lot of people say this. I wish I could start my life all over again. I wish I could go back to age 12, age 5, or age 11. The year before something terrible happened to you. Maybe, maybe you guys think that way. Oh man, I wish go, I wish I could go back to year 14 or something, you know? Age 14, I was so happy, and then I wish I could write everything all over again. But then, I want to tell you guys that you don't have to wish that. It could happen today. Jesus could write that all over again. He could turn that for your good today, tonight, right at this moment, if you choose to. And I, I want us to just um pray together now. I have all these other stuff to say, but um, I'm going to save it for tomorrow. And I want us to... um. Just come before the Lord. And I want us to take this time to receive a new wineskin. One thing. One thing about the wineskin that I learned. Is that. Um, wineskins are made of animal skins. Like animal leathers. And I thought the new wineskin literally meant like a newly killed animal's leather or like a literally new one. But I learned that a lot of times um, those Jewish people will um, reuse the old wineskin. They had wisdom to turn it into a new wineskin. The way they did it was they will put it into a flowing uh, fresh water and they will just let it sit there for a while. And then the cleansing water will just wash it away. Everything that's stuck in the leather, whatever, all the chemicals, and then the clean water will just cleanse it through and through. And it will become like a new wineskin again. And I want to ask everyone to just go into that clean water, the living water. Just the presence of God. allow Holy Spirit allow God to just wash you cleanse you through and through any misunderstanding about God's heart any misunderstanding about His love for you any misunderstanding about His character His heart for you 
want you guys to just let that go. Let him cleanse you through and through. You're going to feel the water cleansing you.